Cloudcast Media. Welcome to your next mission podcast with the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army and co-founder of the American Freedom Foundation, Jack L. Tilly, proudly presented by Cavalry Agency, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans. Good day, veterans and family members, and welcome to your next mission podcast. I'm Jack Tilly, your host, and I've been having so much fun doing this podcast, and I'm so glad to, that you're with me today. But please, please go easy on me as I learn how to navigate through this new and exciting journey. Your next mission is a new program initiative of the American Freedom Foundation. Every Tuesday, we'll be talking with some outstanding, not like the guys we have here today, but some outstanding, interesting <laughs> guests who'll provide insights and real takeaways for our veterans, military service members, military spouses, and families as it relates to your transition from military to civilian life. We want to address the topics and issues that you're really already dealing with. It's my hope that uh, your next mission podcast can be a place where we can all laugh and cry together and have frank, honest conversations about the questions we're all trying to answer and have some fun along the way. We have, uh, we have an incredible show today. Our, our theme today is leadership. Our guests are four great friends and colleagues, the senior non-commissioned officer from each service uh, while I served on active duty. And, and just to let you know right up front, they're called the Pinnacle Five, and I think they're all just a little bit crazy, but uh, they'll have a good time and they're outstanding leaders. So let me introduce them to you. The 14th Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps, Al McMichael the 9th Master Chief Petty Officer of the Navy, Jim Hurt, the 13th Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, Jim Finch, and the one, the only, 8th Master Chief Petty Officer of the Coast Guard, Coast Guard, whoops, I got to say that right for you, don't I? Coast Guard, <laughs> Dr. Vince Patton. Hey, welcome, guys. Glad to be on the show. How are you guys doing today? We're having a hoo afternoon. You're having a hoo afternoon. I appreciate it. Hey, 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 I'd like for you guys just to take about 30 seconds, 30, 45 seconds, and tell just a little bit about yourself. Now, I know a couple of you, uh, Jim and Jim, I know a couple of you want to <laughs> talk for like 12 hours, but uh, just tell us a little bit about uh, yourself so the audience will know. And we'll start you're with you. As uh, old as we are, there's a lot to tell. <laughs> There's no question about that. So is it okay if I call you Al and Jim? You guys don't get offended if you do tough. Okay, Al, go ahead, buddy. We're going to start with you. Actually, I, I appreciate that because talking about myself is really my uh, my next mission. <laughs> <laughs> Let me begin by saying uh, I was fortunate enough to be born in a great country called the United States of America, and I thought that was the up until I realized that I could serve my country. And I did that by putting on the cloth of the, of the armed forces wearing the, the uniform of a United States Marines for 30, about 30 And um, I can honestly say I had the opportunity to shape, mold, and develop the leadership that had been instilled in me in the environment that I was born and raised in that I could become more effective to bring a better way for uh, the people that I would deal with for the rest of my life. Um, I could talk on and on about my military career, but as you all know, you don't become the SMA. I think that's some many other people, but uh, it, some people call it the Sergeant Major of the Army. 
But uh, when you reach that level of your of your life, you know that you've done something uh, spectacular and and worthwhile. Uh, I feel the same way with my other brothers from all the other services that we have reached that level as well in our services. But what really intrigued me is the fact that we took that and moved into the sector where we uh, left when we raised our hand to take an oath of enlistment and went back to our community, then to our country and started to continue to serve, which was our next mission to continue to serve and help others understand and navigate a career that could be as lustrous as the Sergeant Major of the Army. So <laughs> it's a great opportunity to be with this podcast and to be with my fellow brother, uh, Sergeant Major Jack Telly. Um, you are, you're starting first class, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I should be. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, uh, Jack, it's great to be with you, and I look forward to the remaining part of this wonderful opportunity with your uh exploring a podcast for your next mission. Oh, thanks a lot. Jim, uh, best you for. Yeah. Hey, uh, Jack, thanks so much for having us. And uh, it's really an honor to be on the, the your first podcast with uh, with you and, and, of course, with our brothers here. Um, I grew up out in Wyoming, Kansas and Wyoming. Uh, my dad was a battleship sailor in World War II. I always knew I was going to join the Navy, which I did. Never intended to make it a career, but I started out in the submarine service. And uh, one thing led to another. He ended up staying for 35 years. And during that time, served both in submarines, surface Navy, and the Aviation Navy. So um, after 35 years, got out, started a consulting business. And um, it's, uh, it's done very well. And, uh, but the highlight uh, for me, and I think for all five of us, uh, has been uh, back in uh, 2007, just as we did when we were in uniform together, serving in the, the uh, top enlisted leadership positions, uh, we came back together and uh, put together Pinnacle 5. And um, I know we all get uh, tremendous enjoyment out of being with each other. But I think more importantly, we get uh, real enjoyment out of the work that we do together, uh, helping other people, helping veterans, helping people serving veterans. And uh, and I know this uh, your next mission is going to go a long way in, in uh, furthering that event. Thank you so much. Hey, uh, uh, Chief Finch, go ahead, bud. Well, thanks, Sergeant Major of the Army Tilly. <laughs> <laughs> Knock it off! <laughs> oh, it's great to be on this uh, your next mission inaugural podcast. Uh, um, Jim Finch, uh, the former Chief Master of the Air Force, at least one of them, number 13. Uh, I grew up in East Hampton, uh, New York, and Long Island. Joined the Air Force right out of high school. I've been around the Air Force now for about 47 years in some form or fashion. It's hard to believe that it's been 20 years since all of us were on active duty together, uh, either testifying on the Hill or doing USO tours or, or just uh, working down on the third floor with the undersec def and the people working issues for all the servicemen and women that were going on at the time. So it's, it's kind of exciting. Now I'm retired uh, from that, but fortunately for us, we've kept the band uh, together. At least we got back together, as Mick von Hurt said, uh, in 2007, and we've been working issues together that will help raise the awareness of veteran issues and, uh, and transitioning service members. And so it's kind of a fun, a fun uh, issue to be with and a fun time to be there. I live in Texas at the moment, so we're, we're recording here from outside of San Antonio, but uh, we're all together in California with Jack uh, as the spirits will let us. So good to be here. All right. Uh, Vince, Vince, go ahead. 
Go ahead. All right. Well, hello, everybody. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. No, <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, Jack, you're something else. Hi, Vince Patton here, uh, the eighth Master Chief Petty Officer of the Coast Guard, born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. In fact, I lived seven blocks from where uh, Motown was founded. And uh, uh, my childhood years is standing out in front of that building hoping to get an autograph. They all went out the back door, though. But uh, for the, yeah, You were out front. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, kind of a, a unique life and career. Uh, you know, I joined the Coast Guard uh, in 1972, spent 30 years. And, of course, the uniqueness of uh, joining the Coast Guard was the Coast Guard wasn't in my plans. I was on my way to join the Navy, and I walked into the wrong recruiting office. There's a longer story that goes with that. but uh, but, uh, but First of many and, mistakes. Exactly. <laughs> and as fate would have it, turned out to be uh, a wonderful journey for me, including uh, having the opportunity to uh, still be connected with uh, my fellow brothers who I have served with during my tenures as Master Chief Petty Officer of the Coast Guard and beyond. And, uh, and we're having a great time. And I can't thank you enough for having us all together for your inaugural podcast. Hey, thank you very much. Hey, Al, we're going to start with you. What What is the biggest uh, concern as a leader in or out of the military for you? Well, I think that's a very important question, uh, Jack. Uh, as a leader, my, my biggest concern was kind of divided into three three segments. When I think of concerns as a leader, I was concerned first about myself. And what I mean by that is making sure that I met the requirements that a leader was supposed to, was I doing everything I was supposed to do and everything that was expected of me, everything that I was charged with at the duties of being a leader. The second was to take care of the people that I, that was in my charge, that I was charged to take care of. And thirdly, was to take care of both myself and the people so that we could live up to the expectations of the institution. Oh, man, that's that's perfect. Hey, Master, or Jim uh, Hurt, uh, what role does expectations play in leadership? Well, you know, that's, that's a great, another great question. Um, as leaders, I, I know everybody is uh, aware of the, the term managing expectations, and, and that's certainly important as a leader and as a manager, frankly. Uh, but the expectations that uh, when I talk about expectations, I, the, the expectations I talk about are the expectations that two individuals or two two entities hold for each other. And I just have this abiding belief that uh, in every personal interaction um, that each person holds a set of expected behaviors for the other person. And when those expectations are met, uh, there's never, I mean, there's no conflict. Everything just kind of goes together like it should. It dovetails together. But uh, the real role in, in, uh, in leadership is to understand that while getting your expectations across for the other person is important, it's just as important to ask that person, what are your expectations for me? So that I'm not, um, I'm not, not meeting those expectations. And uh, if, if, you, if that person would hold expectations for me, that I have no intention of meeting or I can't meet, it's my that that would be my opportunity then to align whatever those expectations are to the expectations that I am willing to meet. So um, it's just uh, managing expectations is important, but I think just more important in every personal interaction, not just as a leader, 
in a an organization such as uh, the military or in your job, but in your family, in your community, in your in your church, wherever it may be, whatever personal interactions you have, there's a set of expectations that flow both ways. Yeah, well said. Hey, uh, Chief Finch, uh, what aspects of yourself or others presents a, a personal leadership challenges for you? <laughs> a personal ones is, you know, which ones you do self-analysis and try to find out what your faults lie. Eh? And uh, <clears throat> I'm always kind of looking at myself going, gee whiz, what could I have done something better? And uh, I think the one that stands out to me initially is I realized one of my weak points as a leader is that I do not handle change very well, at least reactionary change at the last minute. I know that if someone comes into me and, and gives me a change to something I expected to happen, that I don't, I'm not a kind of person that jumps up and says, great, that sounds so good. I, I usually am resistant to that for a little bit, <clears throat> but I have found that if I can give myself five minutes or so to re restack the deck chairs, uh, I'm usually pretty good with that. And, but I just have to have a little bit of time. And so I, I, I realize it's a, a fault. And if, if I can just spend a little bit of time uh, working on that, I will find I can be a better leader. Give yeah. myself a little time to, make, to accept the change. Yeah, a change is tough. There's no question about that. That's why I read that book, uh, Who Moved My Cheese? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good that. book for that. It's a great that. book for that. Hey, uh, mm -hmm. Dr. Patton, uh, the, 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 the big guy back here, how, do, <laughs> how does core values play in the role of leadership? Well, core values, I mean, it is the bedrock of leadership. It, it defines character, which is very, very important because when you start thinking about uh, leadership as a whole, what are your personal and professional behaviors? What do you focus on? What's your ethics? How do you define that as a whole? And that is what we make uh, to define core values as a whole. And I've often said to people many times over that uh, it's, it's sort of like the, uh, getting to the baby steps to uh, the first adult steps of leadership is, uh, is to define what your core values are. What makes you tick? Uh, as well as not just you from your personal core values, but as you get involved with organizations, companies, uh, or even in the military, which has core values, is that how does your personal core values stack up to what the organization's core values are in order for you to, uh, to do the job, to carry out the mission, to uh, be successful in an assigned task? Wow, you know, I, when you said that, what makes you tick? I was thinking of a Big Mac. Never mind. I <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, uh, Outstanding answers. Thank you so much. Please stay with us. We'll be right back with the Pinnacle Five. Veterans United Home Loans proudly sponsors your next mission and supports our military. They are the number one VA lender for five straight years and have earned 4.8 out of five stars with nearly 255,000 reviews. If you're buying, they're funding your dreams. Please visit them at veteransunited.com. Now, back to Sergeant Major McMichael, uh, how do you, how, how does attitude fit into your everyday leadership style? Well, uh, I don't know how you come up with all these great questions. I mean, it <laughs> marks the level of intellect that you have. I salute you for, for finding a way to, to bring those. But when, uh, let, me, let me start with attitude. For me, uh, a lot of things that you can't change in your life but one thing you can always change is your attitude. Absolutely. Positive attitude uh, for me have always taken me to the level of what I call success. Uh, negative attitude drains uh, myself. It drains the people that I work with. And as uh, Master Chief uh, uh, Hurt said, it's not just in the, in the organization you work for, 
your attitude at home, in, in your own home, the attitude about just going to the market or, or going to, to, to the movies or, or whatever you do with your family. If you've got a positive attitude about it, the journey is less difficult. So I say uh, attitude is, is about 10% of what, what uh, happens to you and 90% of what you're going to stop to do about it. And it, for me, I put it in, I waste no time with a negative attitude. I put my eggs in the positive basket because the, the, re, the results are much more uh, lucrative. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of people have a, the tendency to focus, uh, focus at the negative versus the positive in life. And so, it's a, it's a, you know, keeping that good attitude is, a, I agree, a key to success. There's no question about that. Hey, Jim Hurt, what role do empathy, trust uh, play in leadership, empathy and trust play in leadership? Well, empathy in, in particular, I think is very important. <clears throat> you know, um, my definition, and I think a, the, a good definition of empathy is being able to step out of your skin and get in an, uh, the other person's skin that you're dealing with. Um, to, to feel what they're feeling when they're dealing with you. What are they seeing? What are they hearing? Uh, how are they receiving your communication? It does you no good to communicate or project uh, whatever it is you're trying to project uh, if it satisfies you and it misses the mark with the other person. Uh, a lot of times uh, you, you hear this addressed in terms of uh, speak to your audience, uh, know your audience, and so forth. But it's really trying to get out of your, your, your shoes and trying to see how other people are receiving you. Uh, so that uh, you can tailor your message, you can um, uh, take the necessary actions to address whatever the concern is uh, from the other person's point of view. And if you can do that, if you if you can empathize and you can understand and you're communicating on the level that they need you to communicate, um, it's going to build trust. And And frankly, if you don't have trust, uh, you can't be a leader. Yeah. Uh, people are, are just inherently not going to trust you if you're not walking the walk uh, and, and making yourself whatever it is you're trying to do. If you're not getting it across in the way that it's, it should be received or it needs to be received. You can't have trust and you can't be a leader. You know, you made me think about the, the importance of uh, being approachable, uh, yeah, being yourself. Cool. Be exactly. a good communicator. No, that was, that's a that's a really great comment. I appreciate it, Jim. Hey, uh, Chief Finch, what's uh, why leading by, by example is so important, uh, especially as a leader, leading by example. Yes, uh, I think it goes to, back to what the McCon is saying to, uh, and, and partial uh, point. But we all want to know what right looks like. <clears throat> so we all, I mean, it's it's naturally part of our DNA to want to be successful at whatever we do, and so we when it, when we go out to to uh, lead some particular group, we, we typically want to know, well, how do I do this correctly? And so we we look to other leaders typically uh, along this path to say, hey, this is what you do as a leader. And so uh, if, you, if I'm looking to a particular leader, I'm looking for the right example for all of that. <clears throat> and I think people generally are hardwired uh, to see what somebody is doing relative to what they're saying. And so if they're not congruent, um, then that becomes a problem. So ultimately, as a leader, as you You've got to, as somebody else has said earlier, you've got to not just talk the talk, but you have to walk the walk. Yeah. And mostly, if nothing else, it does show people what right looks like. And if you use that as kind of a, a model to move forward, you can influence an awful lot of people. Yeah, you made, you made me think about something here. You know, there's good leaders and bad leaders, and you need to learn from both of them. 
Yeah. Which is really interesting. I mean, but I've always tried to emulate the good leaders. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. There's no question about that. But it's funny. I, I probably remember things that that bad leaders did. Uh, I, I mean, probably sticks sure. out more sometimes than anything else. Because, you know, you, you sort of think to yourself, I'll never do this in my life, or I hope I don't do that. That's for mm-hmm. sure. So, wow, great point. And uh, uh, Vince, what are leadership competencies and how important are they in the leadership roles? Well, uh, leadership competencies are pretty much taking uh, terms and phrases and, and putting them into action, such as taking empathy. We just talked about empathy, uh, or respect, uh, uh, trust or trustworthy. You know, all of those different phrases that go into defining a behavior uh, is what we call our leadership competency. So when we define our personal core values, as an example, whatever that may be that we all have, like mine personally are people, passion, and performance. Now, I look at people, passion, and performance, and I define those as competencies because that's where it drives, uh, where I see my thought process, my decision-making process that go into defining my leadership roles. So when we look at leadership competencies, it's it's uh, those phrases, those terms that help to drive us into uh, being and defining ourselves as a leader, as well as defining our ethical values as well. Hey, you know, I don't know if you're listening out there, but if you are, these guys are making some pretty good sense out here. So, so listen to them. They got some. You, you really would be surprised. Hey, uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be, we'll be right back with uh, some crazy guys. Pinnacle Five. The Purdue Global Advantage, a name that opens doors, providing affordable online education for hardworking adults, for a personalized, innovative and world-class education. Learn more by visiting purdueglobal.edu. You're listening to your next mission. I'm uh, SMA Jack Tilly, and I'm really excited about this next segment of the show because this is where I get to hear from you. We want to get your uh, your stories and your experiences you've had so, so we can learn from each other. Please reach out to me at uh, SMA Tilly at yournextmission.org or write a review on the website yournextmission.org. I don't want to screw that up. Tell us your story. Send us a video or a photo, and, and I'll feature your story on the podcast. Today, I received an email from Tori V. Uh, Tori writes, I joined the Army when I was 19 years old. I was working at a meatpacking plant uh, in Nebraska and was not, uh, not very close with my mother and father. Like many others, I had no real future. One day, I just walked up to an Army recruiting station, and 10 days later, I was at Fort Benning, Georgia as a as a new infantry recruit. If I had not joined the Army, I'm not sure, you know, what would have become of me. I know I would have never moved from uh, my farm in Nebraska, and I would have never met my wife, Erica. The Army afforded me the opportunity to grow and, and mature and set me on a path of, of a real career. Everyone in my family thought I'd, I'd never complete college or, or really never be much uh, in this world. Instead, I, I reached the rank of command sergeant major and completed a master's degree on, on active duty. As for the transition, well, all I tell people, if uh, you need to start uh, planning about two years out, build a network and, and document all your medical conditions. Have a mentor and make sure your family's involved. 
And he ended the letter with, I certainly like this part of it, today I'm very close with my mother and father. What a great story. And that's the kind of stories that we want to hear in the podcast. We want to hear from you and want to hear the, the kind of things that, uh, that you want to share with your family. You see, it's a very small world that we live in. And uh, we want to make sure we help each other out. There's no question about that. We're back with the uh, Pinnacle Five guys. And we just have a, a few more questions before we wrap it up here. Uh, Al, uh, what are some of the rules of, uh, of a had that you had as a leader? Uh, some of the good rules that you had as a leader. I just, I, really, Jack, I, I'm just floating on cloud nine to hear those ex, extremely intelligent questions come out of your mouth to such levels like myself. Well, you sent them to me, didn't you? <laughs> no. I, wish, I wish I could have. <laughs> Some of the rules that um, I go by is, one, is great communication leads to effective innovation. And uh, you can't, and that, if you're willing to be innovative, that means you're open for change. And uh, no organization uh, remains the same uh, and, and be able to stay float, afloat. You've got to keep up with the changes. The other thing is I, I live by is I before E, information before emotion. Have all your, I guess simply said, have your ducks in line. Uh, before you fire off to uh, tackle something, the more, the better informed you are, the better decisions you have the opportunity to make. But if you make them with emotion, without looking into things, then taking making sure that you've checked in and everything is laid out the way it's supposed to be, you're probably going to get yourself in in hot water uh, because you just emo uh, went at it emotionally. Not that it didn't work, but I found that. Uh, myself as knowledgeable and being informed completely made my decisions more successful. Hey, hey, Jim, tell me, give me, give me an example of a, of a good leader that you worked with over the years. Uh, somebody that you really thought was, uh, you know, really set the kind of example that you wanted. You wanted, and you certainly wanted to emulate. Jack people Jack. other than on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, all but me. I got oh, just on the screen. Oh, I got you. That goes without saying. Um, well, I've certainly had good leaders, and I and as uh, Jim Finch uh, alluded to earlier, I've I've had some bad leaders. Uh, I've been around some folks that, uh, um, you know, I got out of the Navy because uh, I didn't really have leaders that I wanted to be like uh, at the time, and then I came back in. But if I uh, there's two that I would would point to, uh, and both of them uh, happen to be commissioned officers. Uh, I was command master chief on the aircraft carrier Theodore Roosevelt. And my skipper on there, uh, then captain, now retired uh, Rear Admiral Stan Bryant. Um, uh, if if you want, if you had to go fight, uh, this is the person you want to go fight with. Uh, he had a his dad was a chief petty officer, by the way, and uh, it it showed uh, because he had a compassion and ex and and really high expectations for people, and no one ever wanted to let him down. The second person was my last boss in the Navy. Uh, the chief of naval operations, Vern Clark. Uh, anybody that's ever met him would, I think, agree with me that he's one of the most unique individuals that you've ever seen and you'll have ever met in your life. He was a true um, uh, student of leadership. He understood more about leadership than any person I ever knew. And when I first went to work for him, I was over 50 years old at the time and I had a lot of years in the Navy. 
a couple of years before I was set to retire. And uh, there were things that I were lear- I was learning from him about people and about leadership that have never left me. And to this day, we uh, we stay in contact. Yeah. Hey, Jim Finch, I'll give you the same question. Who's the, who's one of the best leaders you ever work with in the military? Um, I didn't have that question on my list, Jack, so I don't know. No, I've had some, I've had some good leaders. Uh, I think the, the one that kind of sticks out the most to me uh, was Quit a, laughing. <laughs> was one, first off, he was an instructor uh, when I went through professional development uh, course. And, the, and then later on, he became my neighbor and best friend. And, uh, and, and I think about him and he's retired uh, master sergeant. Uh, but I didn't think about him. I think what makes him so special, what made him so effective and influential was ultimately is that he was what I would consider the epitome of a servant leader. You know, he had empathy. He was more concerned about the the growth and development of other people in the organization. And he had a strong loyalty to the to the institution as a whole. And so I found is that he was the kind of person that would would train his replacement from the day one because he knew at some point in time someone else was going to step into his shoes. And if he wanted the organization to be successful, that he, he had to build that trust and, uh, and that commitment right up front. So, yeah. and, and the other part was that he, you know, helped ultimately make, uh, make the barriers go away to be successful for the person that was coming in behind him. So it was very impressive. And I learned an awful lot from him. Yeah. His name was Rich Roller. Hey, hey Vince, uh, if you was going to tell somebody in the audience uh, one good thing uh, about yourself, something that nobody else knows in the audience, what would it be? Well, you know, it's, I did it's, change it's, up on these questions just to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know I want to get a little response from you. <laughs> well, you know, you, know, you send that one in? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I wrote down some myself. You can't wait. You must know who can handle change. Well, you know, you know, for me, uh, I have a real quick answer for that. And, uh, very few people know that I used to be a habitual stutterer. And that's kind of hard to believe by virtue of, you know, I pretty much worked in jobs and that I spoke a lot, uh, speaking before crowds and so forth. But I I grew up as a habitual stutterer. If, if you were to have any of my uh, high school uh, chums to... Uh, to talk, they would tell you that it was hard for me to get a sentence through. Now, how did I, how did I combat it? Well, it all started as a child where, uh, my father, uh, who was adamant about not sending me to a special education, uh, class to work on my speech. Uh, instead he would send me out into the backyard, even in the rain or the snow (laughs) to, to sing the national anthem. And it all started with, uh, he asked me to sing the national anthem, which I did. And he says, guess what? You didn't stutter one bit the whole time that you sang. So every day when you come home from school, I want you to go out in the backyard. And at the top of your lungs, I want you to sing the national anthems. And that soon turned into reading the newspaper. And so it started building me confidence. And when I was in high school, uh, as I was getting a little bit better, but still not quite there and so forth, that confidence continued to build uh, through my oldest brother, uh, who continued on because my father had uh, passed and gone on. And, uh, but my oldest brother continued with that. And I worked at it and worked at it and worked at it that uh, 
when I came into the Coast Guard, of all the jobs that I would go into, what do I do? I go into communications. I go into being a radio operator. I go into a job that I taught. Wow. And, 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 and that was a confidence building that I had across the board. And it, it was a, a personal accomplishment of something that uh, a lot of people, my own family included, would have thought I would never had gotten to the level that I am as a result. And, and this sailor included. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I, I tell you, if, uh, looking back, I didn't think any of you get to that level. So, <laughs> 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 hey, hey, look, if you're listening out there on this podcast, I'm going to tell you, you, you would not. Uh, this, these are a group of guys that have so much to give to this country, have given so much to this country, and want to continue to give through their leadership and development. So I hope you listen to us. I hope you listen to their words because they they want more. And if you have questions, uh, please send them in to you. I've already said that, but I'm going to say it again. I want your questions because they can, they can answer them all. I just want to thank again. Thanks to Sergeant Major Marine Corps, Al McMichael, uh, Mick Pond, <laughs> Jim Hurt, uh, Chief Master of the Air Force, Jim Finch, uh, Mick Pond Patton, uh, for being with us today. You guys, first of all, I want to say you, you light up my life. Uh, you care so much each and every day. And, and thank you, thank you, thank you. I, you know, I know this audience is going to say the same thing. Uh, they may try to hang up or do something else, but they're going to listen to you, I hope, anyway. <laughs> if you need a firm to fight for your brand the way they fight for your next mission, it's time to call on the Cavalry. They help brands dominate no matter their size. Ideas, strategy, action. This is Cavalry. Please visit them at CavalryAgency.com. Follow us on your next mission, social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn on YouTube. Once again, I'd like to thank the Pinnacle 5 team for uh, really being with us today and make this in a, a really exciting uh, podcast. I want to end this podcast with a little story of, of my experiences. You know, I these guys listening here today know I got a bunch of stories just simply because I'm, I'm old. So I was in Afghanistan uh, years ago, a lot of years ago now, over 20 years ago, and I was flying out visiting uh, base camps. And uh, when I got there, I, you know, I met, of course, a bunch of soldiers, young soldiers, and, and I sat down and had lunch with them. And I gave them all coins. I, gave, I, must, I must have gave out 40 coins. Uh, they was right there on the, on the Pakistani border, you know, doing the, doing the thing that, uh, you know, all services do. And uh, shook all her hands, gave him a big hug, got back in the helicopter. And when I got back to the, the base camp, uh, they told me that uh, they'd just been attacked. And eight of those soldiers had died. You see, it's about life. It's about our country. It's, uh, it's about our veterans and the things they do each every day. And, and we love each and every one of you, and we, and we want to help you. Uh, so never... Never miss a second of, uh, you know, patting somebody on the back or, or giving a big hug. Life's too short. Again, I want to thank you for listening, and uh, thanks to Cloudcast uh, Media for showing us the way. And our three sponsors, Calvary Agency, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans. See you on the high ground. hoo You've been listening to Your Next Mission, brought to you by the American Freedom Foundation. Learn more by visiting yournextmission.org. Cloudcast Media.